how cold the air can be, how he can be lost so quickly through the window of opportunity, just like a draft in the night. See how words can twist and hands can bring like bones inside empty homes when nobody's there to hear. Welcome back, you guys. We got another incredible show for you tonight. And we're very fortunate to get as our guest, Janet Phelan, who writes for the Activist Post, has a neat book out that we want to talk about that's relevant to the whole subject we're going to be discussing. And we'll look at that, too. And interestingly enough, she's got a lot of good videos posted, and you can get to them on uh, Activist Post, her section there. It doesn't I don't think you can search by author that I could see, but you, there's an ar- author archive that you can go to. And um, one of those interesting interviews is hers with Dr. Artis. And Dr. Artis talks about her work and ta- Dr. Braun's work. Artis and Braun have both been on the show recently, and they're bringing up the idea of, um, you know, we, we understand that the pandemic is there's no evidence whatsoever that it's a virus at all, but there's some kind of toxin involved. And Dr. Artis drew a lot of people's anger and retribution by talking about something in the water system, most probably one of the synthetic um, parts of snake venom that's been in in, uh, use by the medical so-called health industry for a long time. And we have more insight on that from, uh, Janet, in the show that's going to come up today, it's going to be really interesting. And I think the two key words that we're going to be coming back to, or three key words, uh, actually, I can count to three sometimes, is uh, second waterline. And we'll get to that. So welcome, Janet. It's going to be an interesting discussion. And thanks for being here. Thank you so much for inviting me on. I'm really honored to be on your show. So I think uh, to, a good start to introduce you to people so they feel like they know you a little bit, rather than me just reading a bio, is how did you get started in journalism and talk about your change from mainstream journalism and why that happened and what you got into after that? Well, I started writing professionally. Uh, I'm going to date myself here back in, back in the late 70s. Okay. I uh, did... Uh, graduate work at the University of Missouri uh, Graduate School of Journalism um, and uh, uh, my articles have previously appeared in uh, the Los Angeles Times Santa Monica Daily Press San Bernardino County Sentinel Wing Magazine Playgirl Magazine You're saying previously meaning when you were still mainstream When I was still mainstream Okay and um, starting in 2004, I was abruptly exited um, off of my position as a columnist at the Santa Monica Daily Press for uh, uh, walking over to City Hall in Santa Monica, California, and making a Public Records Act request for water records. And um, I knew what I was looking for. Um, I 
I felt that it was very important to start to try to document what I understood was happening because without documentation, you're just really not going to engage other people. They're not going to find you credible. So I needed to start the process of documentation. So without mentioning anything about any sort of conspiracies, I simply asked for water records. And um, what is a water record? I mean, people uh, may not know specifically. Right. So I was specifically looking for a blueprints of water systems. Okay. The construction mm-hmm. of the pipelines and all that. Right. right. Um, because at that point in time, my input had, uh, from other sources, had indicated that there was something very nefarious going on. And like I said, I needed to, to try to document it. So um, I went over to City Hall and just nicely asked for blueprints and within um also i wanted to see some work records about um work being ordered and so forth on on the water systems and within six hours um i got a phone call from my editor this kind of monica daily press and she uh was she was extremely upset um she said i didn't have her permission to ask for water records actually a columnist has a lot more latitude than like a daily beat reporter. Uh, what I was doing at that point in time was simply filing a column every week. And uh, I wasn't asking or getting vetted for what I was writing about. I simply filed it, they published it. That's like a contractor, right? Well, it's a column. It's, it's different. It's a different category of, um, of, of journalist than someone who's, let's say, assigned to, you know, the police beat or... Right, the, right. Yeah, so... But so I you, mean, you got to think up your own subjects. For uh, my own subjects, and they were not subject to prior approval. Right. So, um, so I was told uh, during this... She left a phone message. She, I didn't speak with her. Um, actually, I never spoke with her, wow. uh, it turned out because I was fired. Um, right. But I, I wow. she said that I was endangering her position as editor of the Santa Monica Daily Press by asking questions about water. Okay, but for all she knew, you were going to do a story on how great the system was and that they buried it deep enough and subjects like that. How, what would make her suspect something else? Well, that's a very good question. It was I, I went over, having picked up the voice message, I went over to the office immediately to try to talk to her about this and found that I was completely persona non grata. I was gone. Uh, nobody would talk to me. I had, had soiled uh, myself and potentially the paper by asking to see records. Wow. So um, understanding that I was on to something that had, uh, some significance. I continued on uh, working uh, this story without the sponsorship of the newspaper. I enlisted the help of a uh, uh, assistant, a metro assistant at the Los Angeles Times named Fred Daglar. And I was talking with him regularly on the phone. I was uh, telling him what I was finding. And I was, you know, I was involved at that point rather intensively in uh, in finding ways to get blueprints without the approval of City Hall because City Hall 
um, would not produce blueprints. Uh, the correspondence back and forth is archived in my book, uh, which is the breaking at the breaking point of history. And uh, so they were not simply producing. They, they, they said, we don't have any records. And they said, this is national security. And, and so I had to find other ways to get those, those all important blueprints, which uh, show what I will be discussing very shortly. Yeah, when, when, you start, yeah. when you start discussing it, go back at that time to, of how you first suspected the whole issue. Right. Okay. So um, Fred Aguilar was uh, a metro assistant at uh, the Los Angeles Times, and I was explaining to him, uh, I was using him as a sounding board and kind of explaining what I was finding and how I was able to get real blueprints and how I got them and, and uh, photos and other things. And uh, at one point he said, you know, what you've uncovered is incredible. Send this over to me. I want to bring this to the attention of the editors of the Los Angeles Times. And I sent it over to him. Uh, and then short, very shortly thereafter, Fred Dagelar was escorted out of the LA Times by security wow. and was no longer in employment there. Was there any excuse given at all that said anything? Um, as far as I understand from Fred, he was told that his services were no longer uh, 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 desired and, you know, hit the road, Jack. Okay, so that was about as informative as it got. He yeah. just happened to be finished. They were finished with him at the same time as all that happened. Just happened to be. Yeah, okay. So what, what happened after that? Well, uh, I continued on. Um, I found out how to get blueprints, and this is sort of important, I think, yeah. uh, for, for those who are, are interested in, in possibly... Uh, understanding how serious this issue is, because right. um, as I've archived in the book, uh, the first level of requests to Santa Monica resulted in, we have no records, and this is national security, go away. We forgot to keep copies of everything. <laughs> mm -hmm. Go away. <laughs> right. So then I contacted uh, City Hall in Los Angeles, which is uh, adjacent to Santa Monica, but is a separate city. And I got a very interesting response, which I've also archived in the book, which says, um, okay, uh, because this is all national security, uh, we'll have to redact these blueprints. And so the, what they had to do was construct entirely new blueprints for me with the pertinent information, the, the national security stuff removed. Right. They said, give us a few weeks and we'll give you some blueprints. So uh, I thought, well, okay. So I used those uh, couple of weeks to find out um, exactly where the city of Los Angeles was doing uh, construction under the streets and uh, to, uh, to, to approach the foreman as a you know, casual sort of person and, and chat him up a little bit. And gee, you know, you're, you're so... You're so resourceful and amazing. Gee, this is so great. Can I see your blueprints? You know, just doing the dumb long right. thing. Now, this is out on the street at a construction site? Yes, in Los Angeles. Okay. And so the foreman had actually real blueprints because you have to know, when you're digging up the streets, you have to know where other lines are already. I mean, you have right. to 
So I pulled out my trusty little camera and took some pictures and he got worried. And I tried to like, you know, I tried to, to, to laugh it off and, and I got out of there fast. So that's how I got blueprints. Now, when I compared those real blueprints I got, uh-huh. I had requested in the right. city of Los Angeles, which were, had to be redacted. Yeah. I found, and this is where we're going to get into the meat of it. Um, I found where the second waterline had been removed from the blueprints. So there was something very sensitive, national security about that second waterline. Now, I'm going to pull up a blueprint right now. I'm going to do a screen share so that the listening audience can understand what I'm talking about. And then we'll get into what this really means. So, Okay. And when you say second waterline, you're talking about a supply line. I am talking about a supply line that, here we go, share, um, that runs down the center of the street parallel to the water line. Now, here we have a blueprint from Spokane, Washington. Okay, wait, it's dark. We're waiting to see a picture. Ah, okay. Oh, wait a minute. I have to uh, hit my phone. Hopefully, you didn't redact everything. No, <laughs> so I have to get, I have okay. to get sharing, screen sharing. It's, I see it now. It's, it's, okay. working. it's working. Okay. So now, now we're going to get into what this shows and what this means, because what we see here is simply a blueprint. Um, I like the Spokane prints because they're color coded. So, so that the blue lines are water. Yellow lines are something else. Uh, we don't have to pay attention to them. We're interested in the blue lines, color-coded as water. So what we have here are... Okay, it's really hard to see blue on this, so they look a little bit black. So I think well, what you're talking about is there's three parallel yellow lines, and in the same direction, left to right, are some other lines, two of them, which look kind of black or maybe dark blue or something. Okay, those are the lines we want to pay attention to. The other okay. are irrelevant to our concerns. Got it. Those two lines. So, we, so what these blueprints show are two lines running down the center of the street. What the Los Angeles uh, stealth blueprints show, the ones I got through, uh, you know, through hanging around the street crew and talking yeah. with them. What those show also are two lines running down the street. What the redacted blueprints show, uh, the ones that the city of Los Angeles so kindly constructed for me to remove the national security information, Mm -hmm. one line. Now, what does this mean? We can see from this blueprint the way things are constructed that we have these two lines, two water lines running down the street with service lines uh, perpendicular. That's how the water gets. It looks um, like there are all the perpendicular lines are coming off the upper of the two long parallel blue, blue lines. Is that right? They, they, they intersect both lines. Oh, they, they do. They, okay. They do. Yeah, they do. Okay. So, so let's say, um, let's, Okay. What I was tipped off to, and the reason I started down this very uh, uh, technical kind of uh, rabbit hole, 
was I was tipped off to the fact that uh, the water systems nationwide had been tweaked and reconstructed so that they had the capability of distributing a something besides water into targeted households. Now, targeted households, so that means there's a selectivity going on. This is not like dumping something into the reservoir. So let's say they wanted to hit uh, your house, Richard, okay? Right. right. So, so how would they have the capability of surreptitiously, covertly putting something into your water and leaving everybody else alone? This shows how they could do it. And I had to do quite a bit of research prior to requesting the blueprints. I had to kind of understand what kind of system could be created where they could do this. Now, I wasn't sure at the time that I was going to come up with anything, but my source was insistent and actually pretty darn credible. So, so what we see is uh, um, we see these two lines. We see the lines are cross-connected by service lines. Now, let's say that the top line, the top line, let's just say the top line on this picture has uh, has uh, anthrax in it, okay? Um, terrible, terrible thought. Okay, let's say it has vodka. Let's say it has anything uh, that 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 could actually harm somebody. And if that, if that is the top line, that yeah. means you're assuming that the bottom line is the normal water supply. This is just for the sake of, of what we are discussing here. Right, but I, just so I understand what you're saying. Right, so you've got water, no problem. Everybody gets water. Then you've got this, this uh, questionable second line that is such a matter of national security that nobody will, you know, will give you uh, will give you these blueprints. You have to get them by stealth, and they they send these letters saying this is all national security, and so forth. So so what you have is a system where, let's say, the top line is a vodka line. Um, what is in that line is being withheld by remote control valves. Uh, at another part in the book, I do, uh, I have some photos of these remote control valves, um, and I have a, a blueprint, uh, rather a, a schematic also, that shows how a remote control valve uh, works, how a, a, uh, an impulse of a cell phone or a laptop will go up to a satellite, it'll uh, go down, uh, uh, and eventually on the left-hand side, it will be able to impact certain sorts of things. And this was a, uh, a schematic that I got from the ROM Communications website. And on the left-hand side, it shows a bunch of things that can be impacted by this communication off a cell phone. And lo and behold... You have the exact water valve that I have uh, been able to photograph and determine as a remote control water valve. So that's how you do it. It doesn't require um, uh, 
let's say that, as I've mentioned, that they want to hurt you, Richard, mm-hmm. and they want to do it in a way that that plausible deniability. This this is seems this is imaginary bad. because fortunately we never cover anything controversial, so we should be fine. Yeah, right. So so let's say they want to do something without uh, sending you know a team of of uh, of uh, guys with shovels and spades and they're digging up the the road uh, in front of your house and so you get alarmed and you wonder no 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 mm. none of that has to happen they hit the initiative off the cell phone or the laptop the valve opens and you're toast and those valves are buried right under the soil they're buried so the so the impulse has to be able to penetrate soil and reach uh-huh. a very specific valve to give it instructions Right, and they do have RFID addresses, the valves do, and I was able to photo, photograph some of these in Santa Monica's video. Okay. So that's, how, that's how it works. Now, now, now why, well, why does this come up now? Why are we talking about this now? Well, um, I, I understand uh, that we are now in an age of, of what they're calling infectious diseases. Um, we had this COVID pandemic that has raised so much alarm and concern, uh, not only concerning, uh, you know, what kind of, 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 of agent this COVID actually is. We've had concerns about what happened in hospitals when people went in for treatment and ended up uh, dying. We have now this huge vaccination effort uh, to, uh, um, Essentially, vaccinate people against a a a a, a COVID that has a a, a low, a less than one percent mortality rate, uh, is apparently easily treatable by other sorts of countermeasures. But no, no, we have to ignore all that and get the vaccine. And lo and behold, we have people dropping dead from the vaccine. Now, so so we we are. It has it was announced recently in the Telegraph that we are in an age of infectious diseases. So we have COVID, now maybe we have the monkeypox, monkeypox. There are concerns about other potential terrible threats. Um, the threats could very well be augmented by a triangulation of attack, which would include lockdowns you lock somebody down in their house they can't leave where are they going to get their water from they're going to get it from the tap so you have the potential here for this to be deployed in a pandemic scenario and with all of this sort of high-tech remote control valves and and lines nobody wants to talk about all national security who would know if somebody died from the water? So when Dr. Uh, Artis put out the documentary, Watch the Water, and people attacked him and said, that's ridiculous. There's no way to put this in the water system because, and then you fill in the blanks. So the most common objection was, you put it in the water and everybody gets it. And that's no. not what happened. No. And so your theory is impossible. And you're pointing out, um, excuse me, but it's not only possible. They've got the entire infrastructure set up to do it. They do. And, um, 
And I, I, you know, I, I am not a medical professional. And I have looked at Dr. Artis's, uh, uh, work on the snake venom. And I'm, I'm not commenting on that. I really don't know, uh, what it is they put in the water, but clearly he hit a nerve because, right. because if you want to put something in the water and if you want to, to hurt people that way, this is how you would do it. You would pre-select your targets, you would open their valves, and who would ever know? How widespread is this second line phenomenon? Well, see, that's a very, I'm so glad you asked that. Um, so far, every single city I have checked, and it takes quite a bit of work because you have to, you know, you have to, you have to make your public records act requests. You've got to get those uh, sort of denied or, or, or those, these new redacted blueprints. You get your national security letters. It gets crazy. Right. So then you have to find your construction sites and you have to find what I call your back door. Right. So, so far I've checked several cities and, um, every single city I have checked has this. And we're talking about, uh, Sandpoint, Idaho. We're talking about Medford, Oregon. We're talking about Spokane, Washington. So, so uh, Sand, Sandpoint, Idaho is not that big. No. So it means it's not just the big cities. That's correct. Another thing I found when I was in Sandpoint and I was there for a year uh-huh. um, was that you know, a lot of people in the area, because it is sort of semi-rural, um, a lot of people are on wells. And right. um, there was a huge uh, movement at that point in time to uh, GPS all the wells. So they knew exactly where uh, people were getting their water from. Was that at the same time as they were doing GPS coordinates for people's front doors? You know, I'm not sure about that. I don't you remember that. I don't know. I don't. Yeah, know. the census people were told to bring out handheld electronic equipment and record the the exact location of everybody's front door. And that's the origin of the software that um, now they use a lot of times to see if you've got what they call a legitimate address or using a P.O. box or something like that. They have a database of what are the the ones they consider legitimate, where somebody actually lives. And that was a huge project, at least all over the U.S. Well, thank you very much for letting me know about that. I didn't know. Um, I also want to try to answer your question about how pervasive this is. Um, right. Because I've made some efforts. Actually, uh, um, I spent months going through WikiLeaks cable dumps to try to determine whether the U.S. had indeed been exporting this system elsewhere. And it, it, it was an enormous uh, project on my part which did not um, produce as much data as I'd hoped for. However, I was able to determine that this same system exists in post-invasion Iraq. It exists in Tel Aviv and in Jerusalem. And also, uh, I I did some on-the-ground work in Toronto, Canada, and discovered that they also had the double-line water system. How do you know that the U.S. is the origin point for exporting? 
Well, how, do, how, how, you know, this is a good question. Um, I don't know, but given uh, certain sorts of behaviors uh, by the U.S. Uh, surrounding biological weapons mm-hmm. going back 20 years or so, it did appear that the U.S. was uh, involved in setting up uh, a legal uh, changes in the legal system so that they would give themselves absolute immunity from uh, any sort of, of uh, contest as to whether they were involved in biological weapons activities. This, this is a huge project. It is huge. And it took them a very long time. My understanding, which at this point is is circumstantial, it's not something that I can prove, like I can prove the existence of these double lines in Spokane, yeah. is that the work started uh, around under Turkey Dick. Nixon. Wow. And actually the first cables that I was looking at where which were signed by Henry Kissinger, which were going out massively to uh to well to many uh places in Africa, in, in Latin America, some places in Europe, saying, Oh, let us help you with your new water system. We have teams of engineers and we want to help you reconstruct and rehabilitate your water systems. And so Richard Nixon, and I believe it was 1972, um, he unilaterally declared to the world that the U.S. was abandoning its um, its offensive biological weapons program. It, it, he's saying these weapons are horrible, they should never be used, and we are unilaterally going to say we won't use them anymore. And shortly after that, based on his uh, presentation, uh, the uh, international treaty known as the Biological Weapons Convention came into existence. That's and the one that Dr. Boyle wrote, right? No, no. No, it's a different one? Because he wrote. He didn't write the International Treaty. He did write a prior piece of legislation. He wrote wrote a convention against biological weapons, and and I think it was 1990. No. 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 It was later. When was it? I don't know. Anyway, he was Uh, My understanding is that Dr. Boyle wrote a a domestic piece of legislation, uh, which was passed, uh, uh, I believe, in the 1990s, if I'm not mistaken, but it was a domestic piece of legislation. But the international treaty known as the Biological Weapons Convention uh-huh. was not written by Dr. Boyle, and it came into existence in 1975. Okay. And uh, there's some very interesting things about this convention, uh, because first of all, it has absolutely no verification uh, or, or mechanism to deal with reported violations. So you have a treaty that doesn't can't do anything. It can't it can't enforce its prohibitions. It has no mechanism for like sending in teams of advisors. It's it's just a bunch of words. So it's to pacify the public, apparently, right? Well, this is where this is where it got interesting because. A number of the countries who were a party to the, we'll call it the BWC, the Biological Weapons Convention, were very uncomfortable 
about the fact that it was just a paper tiger. And right. in 2001, about six months before the attacks on the World Trade Center and the anthrax attacks, there, uh, there was an ad hoc committee with the BWC, which finally hammered out a verification protocol. And they presented it to the convention at large for approval. Now, if this had been passed, uh, a lot of things would be different now. But the fact was, it wasn't passed solely because the U.S. team, which was led by the then ambassador to the U.N., John Bolton, remember that name? They they got up and they walked out of the room and boycotted. What was John's last name again? John Bolton. Yeah, of course. Yeah, right. yeah. So he led the team to make sure that there would be no verification protocol uh, involved whatsoever. Now, if if that hadn't happened, uh, history might have played out a bit differently. There so might have he been must more. have been read into projects that would have prevented that being ha- acceptable. Well, look at it this way. If there were a verification protocol, somebody, uh, not not only a state party, but maybe even an NGO, could go to the UN uh, and say, hey, we've got a delivery system involving water lines. Would you please go check that out in Spokane, Washington? Yeah. But, now, but at this point in time, you can't do anything. Now, um, I, I attended the Biological Weapons Convention in Geneva, uh, in 2011 and again in 2016. And I did so under the mantle of an NGO uh, that I chair. And uh, because I went as an NGO, I was able to participate and present at the convention, which led to a number of very uh, uh, bizarre sort of repercussions and, and, and another whole rabbit hole that I discuss also in my book. Wow. What, what, just out of curiosity, what's the purpose of your NGO? I mean, what's its official mission? Um, so it was created, we created it around 2009, uh, with the express purpose of, uh, of engaging the United Nations on pivotal issues. And so twice I have used the, um, the, the, the NGO to, traveled to Geneva, Switzerland. I've also entered documents into a couple of other UN conventions, um, most notably the the Universal Periodic Review of the Human Rights Record of the United States. Um, our, our, present, our, our documents have received uh, official recognition and inclusion in uh, UN cover reports. Uh, also, we, um, we, we entered documents into, uh, some, um, office of the Special Rapporteur on Torture. Uh, there are multiple concerns, uh, that American citizens have been put into experimental research programs non-consensually. Right. Uh, this involves not only MKUltra, but more recent things. And so we have prepared documents and, and as a, um, 
response to a call out for reports from special rapporteur on torture. We've entered documents uh, concerning that into the UN. So that has been our purpose. Um, most recently, because the WHO has announced that it intends to uh, put together a pandemic treaty, um, we have contacted the WHO and asked, uh, given our expertise in biological weapons, uh-huh. and we've asked to be uh, uh, included in, in participation in the treaty drafting process, because it is my understanding that if the treaty committee sits down and understands that pandemic delivery systems already exist covertly under the streets throughout America and very possibly in in other allied countries as well, then it might actually blow that whole process out of the water. I mean, I certainly don't want to participate in, in drafting a pandemic treaty. I want to explain to the committee that what they're doing is is superfluous and damaging. So I have contacted the WHO and I've been around late in the ward. You're waiting for a response at this point? Oh, I'm, I'm waiting for Godot. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're simply not responding. Yeah. It, you know, what all this suggests, the fact that you found these second water lines in so many cities and outside of the U.S. as well, and you're running into resistance and weird you know, responses to what people should, if they were normal, appreciate as a a great service that you're doing. The question that it obviously brings up is how vast and pervasive is the global unified control of these programs? Because it's certainly not coming from individual countries originally. It's coming from some world government that already exists that is keeping all these things organized? Um, It's possible. Um, Well, I believe at this point in time, your your description of the lay of the land is accurate. Back in the 1970s, when it looks like the U.S. first started to work on this massive project to reconfigure water lines, it may not have been as set in stone as this global structure of, of authoritarian control, it may not have been as, as set into stone at that point in time. But certainly now um, it, it has become almost, uh, you know, it, it's like dealing with a monolith. I did forget to mention that, um, that I also found uh, um, evidence uh, in, in Geneva, Switzerland, that that the second line system was in was in effect there as well. Okay. okay. So, so and that raises further bars of alarm because uh, you know Switzerland is supposedly a neutral country and yeah. it is part of of the Western sort of uh, cabal of of countries and and so one might easily. Uh, have concerns that other countries such as England and France, etc., might also have uh, Germany, might also have 
uh, decided to, right. to, to erect the system. And when you look at the implied system of really efficient global control and control of public statements and things like that, um, and you see how many steps down into the system it, it goes. For example, in the media, your first experience in mainstream media was that that control went down into the editorial levels of the newspaper that you were working for at the time, right? Uh, yes. Yes. Well, um, what I was told by the editor of the Santa Monica Daily Press during that uh, frantic phone call she, she made to me was that she uh, received a phone call from the city attorney's office uh, mm. advising them that I had made this request. And, and that phone call was what had put the fear uh, into her. So, but somebody have to say what's wrong with the request, because on the surface, there isn't anything wrong with it. No, there was nothing wrong with the request. And she never indicated to me that there was anything wrong with the request other than I did not ask for permission. So the fact that that second-line system is a really sensitive issue that nobody's supposed to know about, somehow that message must have gotten out to a huge number of official figures. You know, this, this is a concern. Um, there was a law passed in 2002 um, in the wake of the um, attacks on the World Trade Center in the wake of the USA Patriot Act, which made it a federal crime for any public official to reveal details about critical infrastructure. Now, obviously, that one line isn't critical infrastructure. It's that second line that's critical infrastructure and that has put uh, this level of, of fear into uh, those who, who are aware of this. Now, I had some meetings in Medford, Oregon, with the Water Commission there. And uh, I had developed my back door already. I had... I had real blueprints showing the two lines. I also had what the what Medford Water Commission so kindly affords the public uh, for free. You can just walk into their office at that point in time anyway and just copy off blueprints showing one line. You, those are the redacted version, right? Yeah, they redact them prior to any requests. They're all available. Just walk in and copy them off. No problem. Right. So... So I was able to get these other programs with two lines. And so I had some meetings uh, with the, the, water, the water commission and uh, they were, they were doing something very Orwellian. You remember in George Orwell's novel um, where the, the evil government agent is holding up two fingers and says, yeah, how many know, are there? How, and, and unless you say there are three, you know, you're going to get battered to death, right? Yeah. So yeah. I was showing them these blueprints with two lines and then showing them what they provide the public. And they're going, they're absolutely the same. They're this time. I say, no, no, no. See this. There's two lines here. There's one line here. They go, no, 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 no problem. No problem. And so I said, okay. I read them then the law, the federal law, making it a felony for them to reveal information about critical infrastructure. And I asked them, I said, uh, is this what is governing your response here? Is this why you're saying this is three, you know? Yeah, yeah. And they 
there were two of them. There was the public uh, information officer, Laura Hovnett, and also an engineer whose name I don't remember at this point in time. And they stood up immediately and said, the conversation's over, and they walked out. Wow. Oh, you know, I have stories. I can just tell you. <laughs> but the fact is, we've got a problem. We have a covert pandemic delivery system, which has nothing to do with a germ called COVID, has nothing to do with the vaccination. And, and, and you can get sick and die from this covert system and you'll never even know what hit you and nobody will ever tell you. Right. It's a brilliant invention. Yeah. And it's got fairly complex valve structure too, because you have to have one way valves. If you open the second water line and you have something unpleasant in it to deliver to one person, you don't want it flowing anywhere else. That's right. right? So Correct. pretty yeah. advanced. So what's the breaking point in history? What, what does that mean? Well, um, we are at a, I believe, a critical point in human history where we are evolving or being pushed into evolving into a global community and, and away from uh, sovereign states, tribes, nations, yeah. where the, the global superstructure is, is becoming the predominant um, uh, method of, of governance. And given that the global system that is being put into place appears to have little regard for uh, a human life, I think that this is a very dangerous step that humanity is taking. Yeah. I agree. And and really, the fact that it's global is not as central to its danger as who's in charge. Because you could theoretically put a global system that was like 1776 and guard everybody's individual freedom and, you know, peace and prosperity and free market economics based on sound money and all these things, you know, real health care. No, instead of using toxic chemicals for medicine, you could make it the opposite. But the people in charge of the global government being put in place are not spiritually advanced beings. They're uh, malevolent. And I think that's where the problem comes. Um, there, there is a very well-known uh, thing that people say that... Um, Power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Um, I personally would uh, be concerned about any uh, global structure being put into place that has the ability to impact uh, people to the degree that any global structure would. I, I think, yeah. yeah, you're right, but it happens at city councils, too. Yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. I think it has something to do with the consciousness of the people. You know, I don't. it's like money corrupts people, power corrupts people. I, I don't know if any of those are true. I think what happens is the power and the money make people feel comfortable exposing who they are. 
you know, and their worst characteristics. That may, be, that may be true. It would be interesting to see if really good people got in charge, if they would be corrupted by power. I don't know. Well, one can open up that can of worms and start talking about what is good. Um, I think Stanley Milgram's uh, experiments a number of years ago where he, uh, they were obedience to authority uh, experiments and he showed pretty conclusively that most people will just do what they're told. Absolutely. And millions of those people are following orders now and making the rulers programs possible to carry out. That's right. Right. It's a consciousness issue again. Because if those people were somewhat self-aware and awake, they'd say, wait a minute, that's really not a good thing to do. I can't do that. You know, even if I lose money or whatever, I can't do it. Because it goes against harmony and deeper principles. But we're in a place where it's not just the rulers, it's it's the millions of people who serve them willingly to keep their jobs and get, you know, support from the structure. And when you bring up the point of, of history and the danger of consolidation of global power, do you have ideas for remedies for that? Um you know, I'm not a political person, um, and uh, I personally, all I know how to do is to say, look, there's a problem over here. Look, there's a problem okay. over here. Right. I, I, I am at this point in time rather chagrined at uh, the level of collusion and complicity going on globally. Uh, at many different levels, all I know how to do is is to say we can't do that. We can't put together a pandemic treaty while we have a uh, a covert pandemic delivery system. You know, we can't do this. We can't. Right. I, I have no idea how to fix this mess. You know, I was looking for any kind of hopeful signs because the problem that you've pointed out is like. It's a really big problem, <laughs> and maybe it's the one that could potentially end life on the planet because they have other plans, not just the water system, and we're looking for hopeful signs anywhere. One of them is there are some of the people in Africa have some of that awareness and common sense and spiritual maturity to recognize without being official scientists, no, that doesn't make any sense and not do it. And in particular, I'm thinking of the example of Tanzania, where they had a president who said, no, this pandemic thing, there's something wrong with that picture, and we're not going to go along with it. So the powers that be globally, without needing to make a one-world government officially, they just killed him. And they put in somebody, a new president, it was a, a woman, I guess, so that everybody would think, well, it's a woman, she'll be really nice to everybody and much better. And she was much worse and started immediately following everything about the pandemic. But the people didn't forget what happened with the original president. And they didn't fight back or rebel or anything. They just didn't. The police threw away all the masks and everybody else followed suit. And now they're riding on crowded public transportation with no masks and no distancing and they're not getting sick. And it must be really stressful for the rulers because they don't know what to do to make these people terrified again. 
And it'd be nice if that was contagious. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. And I also want to mention what's happening here in southern Mexico. Yeah. Uh, because uh, the president of Mexico uh, didn't go with the program. He didn't close the country. Uh, there are some places, I think, that you have to wear masks to enter a supermarket or something. But basically, uh, he was pretty hands-off. He was certainly hands-off lockdowns and, and uh, other restrictions. Right. And in Chiapas, Mexico, which is where I am now, uh, this is a region in Mexico that has uh, experienced a lot of political unrest in the past. Um, the Zapatista movement uh, began here. And generally speaking, there is a large distrust of government here. And when I speak to locals, uh, I'm told, well, some people, of course, are, are clueless, but most people I speak to, I ask them, what do you think about this pandemic? And I'm told, well, this is just a big fraud. And the last thing you want to do if you get sick with something is you don't want to go to the hospital because you go to the hospital and you don't come out. So people have shared with me. This is the common response in Chiapas. They say stuff like that. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. Yes, this is is the common response. People say, oh, just stay home and drink some herbs. You'll be fine. And now people did get vaccinated here. And there are people who do wear masks here. And there are people who say, uh, be very afraid of germs here. But generally speaking, most of the people I talk to about this is just a big fraud. And just stay home and take care of yourself. Wow. And this is what I'm hearing far more than I'm ever hearing uh, in the United States and in other parts of the Western world. People here do not trust the narrative. And they say, that's fine. Take your COVID. Do whatever you want to. We'll be, we won't go to your hospitals and we'll be fine. Wow. That's as brilliant as Tanzania. Yeah. Really inspiring. I mean, you, when I asked you about solutions and you said you're not a political person, I'm not even really sure what that means. What, what determines if something is political or not? Oh, well, I don't, I don't vote. Um, I don't participate in, in, in this right left sort of you know, to me, to me, it's all basically a lot of blather that's pushing yeah. and sort of thing. Yeah. What I think politically is that I see where I see hope is I see people who are beginning to really wake up and grapple with the realities of the situation and have decided to take care of themselves and their families. Right. There are people who are are moving back into uh, into mountainous areas, into rural areas, who are trying to disengage themselves from the political structure. Right. And I really see most of the of the hope, and I do see hope in people, uh, but I see the disengagement from from politics as as the evidence of the hope i don't see the 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 voting for this guy or voting for this guy or going to city council the whole artificial partisan setup is what you're calling politics and i I think i think anybody who starts getting waking up a little bit although that's an overused term 
but just return of common sense she tells anybody the parties are totally stupid i mean <laughs> not not both of them and all the others and it's not just that they become corrupt crime organizations although that's true too but why do you need a party to tell you what position to take on things why not just be interested in what's true i mean it's a lot simpler and more accurate as soon as you've got a label to defend you can't see clearly anymore it means you want to fight you know as your way of life and i just think what you're saying is extreme hope and it sounds like you fit right in with the people of Chiapas. So, I mean, it's one of the better places to be. I'm happy being here. Yeah. And I think that, you know, you don't have to call it consciousness. It's just that's what it looks like to me. And if that could become some kind of a positive, super contagious pandemic of common sense, that could take over the other part. Anyway. See, so good thoughts. You want to say anything about the book before we finish up? Well, um, I I think the way the book is laid out, um, it, it 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 should provide information that has been lacking in, in the current uh, narrative and the current di- uh, discussion about. Uh, about health and government. And um, we talk in the book not only about changes in laws, some of them were discussed during this interview, but not all of them, but also uh, we we move into sort of, we, I'm using the word we, I move into a, a discussion of, um, of the U.S. is what I call their obsession with genetics. And I show how... Um, how, how so much of the research and impetus now is really uh, tilted towards um, creating, uh, well, genetic weapons and how this can end up uh, servicing a, a particular kind of agenda, which I think we are seeing unfolding before us. Kind of reminds you a little bit, too, of Project Paperclip where the eugenicists from the Third Reich got hired by the U.S. government into health agencies and places like that. Well, I think there has been a real uh, infiltration to actually take over. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the book is, again, it's called the Break- At the Breaking Point of History. It's published by Trine Day. Do you have uh, a copy of it there? Can you hold it up? I do. Show people what it looks like? Yeah, it's right here. Yeah, good. Because it sounds like a really important book to me. To complete the understanding of the infrastructure and how it could be used. And that, that's, that is certainly a significant part of the book, but it's certainly not the sole focus of the book. So I would like to encourage people to, to take a look at it. And yeah, when you say that it's not the, the main focus, what is the main focus of the book? Well, the main focus of the book is that is that the U.S. government was deeply involved in in creating a pandemic scenario, in in running projects of human experimentation, a la, a la Nazi Germany, uh, for 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 decades. Uh, what is what we're what I, I'm trying to 
to present here is really an alternate view of U.S. history, uh, mm-hmm. at least recently. Right. Because, uh, we're not in Kansas anymore. We're not in the USA anymore. These constitutional rights and protections, which should have served us, aren't functioning. And right. it landed us uh, where we are today. I think that's exactly right. And one of the main misunderstandings, and, and they, you know, they want to make sure that it, with control of the fake educational system that we've got now, that nobody understands the good ideals that were put in place when the U.S. was founded. And one of those about natural rights that everybody has, which means not just in the U.S., but everywhere, is that natural rights, God-given rights, can't be suspended. So even if a pandemic was real, the government could say if it cared about the welfare of the people, well, we think you should hide in your bathroom for the next year, but they can't make you do it. They should say, well, we think you should let your business go bankrupt and shut it down, but they can't make you do it because it's against your natural rights, and it doesn't matter if there's an emergency, and the public forgot because they, they don't know about those basics of what they used to call civics, I guess. It's not taught anymore. And even if there's a real emergency, there's no ability of the government to declare that your rights are suspended. If there there was, there would be no rights, because they just declare emergencies all the time. And that's what they do, actually. They keep renewing the emergency, right? So... I would say, you know, you're really focused on problems that are not just political, but all across the board, you know, they get into every area of life. It's just the solution is, I think, the most important thing. So be aware of the problems, I guess, which is what your book is helping to expose. And then maybe you could imply from that, don't acquiesce to suicidal orders. With blind faith and authority. Right. And where where's the best place to get the book? Um, the book is available incredibly on Amazon.com. Okay. Also available at TrineDay.com and a multiple multiplicity of other online sellers. It's not what, what was that what was that second one that you said? My pen disappeared. Uh, right. Trine Day is the publisher there in Oregon. They have a uh, a history of publishing controversial books. And, okay, and they published my book. And I are you getting uh, are you getting resistance and feedback and harassment and stuff like that now because of your uh, work? Uh, I, I yes, I am, and um, it, unfortunately, our, our our show isn't isn't long enough for me to even start to go into. I probably should have mentioned it earlier, but... No, no, it's okay. It's, it's, is it something you'd like to let people know the general nature of it without... Uh, as I said, I, there appears to be FISA court involvement in... in I appear to have been... Uh, um, I got some kind of a bullseye on my back. I got people coming into my house when I'm not there. Uh-huh. Uh, it's It's becoming so annoying and... Uh, certain people in certain positions in the city have been 
given, you know, certain information about me, which isn't true, which makes, you know, which has incurred a, a certain levels of animosity. I was walking down the street. This happened twice. Um, You're talking about city officials? Oh, uh, I don't know if they're city officials or they're, or they're federal officials. I was but of Mexico, not of the U.S. Uh, I, I need to be careful what I say. Okay, all right. Uh, I, I don't mean to do that. But. No, no, it's okay. I was walking down the street. On two occasions, I was, I was attacked in broad daylight. I was attacked from behind and thrown into oncoming traffic. Uh, luckily for me, I rolled on both occasions and escaped, you know, major injury. There's, there's been some sort of, of campaign, but, you know, I, 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 I try not to spend too much time worrying about it. I, I believe in what I'm doing. I believe in what people like you are doing. Uh, I, I think my book has merit and, I'm certainly not going to stop what I'm doing, but there has been blowback, yes. And thank what, you yeah, I think it's really important. I want everybody to support you in their thoughts and actions and every words and exposures and everything they can do. Um, what are the plans from this point on for what you're working on now and where you're going? Well, uh, I'm, I continue to write for Activist Post. Um, okay. Uh, I'm covering a, a, a number of issues, not only biological weapons, and um, I suggest people uh, subscribe to their newsletter, check their website. They do a lot of really good reporting there, and okay. uh, and I think it's a, a wonderful effort uh, that has been launched there, and I'm very happy to be a part of it. Yeah, it sounds great. Activistpost.com, right? Yeah. Okay. Exciting. I hope you'll come back and give us an update before too long, if you feel like it. Yeah, so hold on, and we'll say goodbye in the break here. Okay, you guys, there goes Janet Fellon, and um, incredible person, incredible lady. And uh, like I was saying, she just deserves everybody's support. She's having to deal with amazing amounts of resistance that, we didn't get into too much in the interview, but she's told me that she's being harassed all the time, even presently, and false stories are being spread about her all over the place. So whatever you can do, you know, buy her book, read it, study it, find out if this is going on in your community, which it probably is. Um, but it, it's the implication is the bigger, bigger situation that we're in. You know, we're living on a, a planet that has the potential to be incredibly harmonious and beautiful. And I I consider that its normal state, its intended state. But we're far from that now. We've still got great people like Janet running around and doing the best they can. Um, But the great person to really pay attention to is you. You know, we've been trained to undervalue ourselves and to not pay attention to things. And... The solution to the outside insanity and malicious agenda is inside you. And all possible programming has been used and is being used to convince you that you're helpless and you should be afraid of everything, not realize that fear has no use and no application. 
no advantage, no fear of anything uh, in this world or anywhere else has no advantage at all. If you stay centered in yourself, connected to your automatic um, source that you came from, that you're connected to at all times, even if you don't remember, and let that flow into you and learn how to do that, and then let that affect your outer life and the rest of the world, it can transform your life experience. And I'm encouraging you to don't undervalue not only yourself, but your time. You know, because this is a really unstable environment. I'm sure you've noticed that. We're beings of spirit that are permanent, immortal. I know that's blasphemous to say, but it's the truth. We're made out of spirit. It can't be killed, but it can change costumes. And while we're in this present costume, you have a certain amount of time before you have to leave under whatever circumstances. And if you use that well, even though it's like a dream world compared to where you came from, you can change the dream. It's called lucid dreaming. And you can do that within the so-called real world, which is really a dream world at a much deeper level. I'm just one of the characters in your dream talking to you and reminding you, you have great power. And the only reason that the world rulers that are so malevolent have the upper hand right now, and they do, is because they've convinced you that you're helpless and you're not. And it's not primarily what you do on the outside, although that's important, but the energy that flows into what you do on the outside comes from your internal work 100%. And most people, most of us don't even give that a thought, don't even consider it as a big deal or important. It's the big deal. And it doesn't matter what belief system you're in or what religion or what political party, it matters who you are and where you came from and reconnecting to that. And however you decide to do that, beyond just beliefs, beliefs don't do what I'm talking about. Beliefs are things you hope are true. And in most cases, people want to fight about whose beliefs are better. I'm not talking about that kind of stuff at all, talking about reconnecting to a reality that you've already always had with you and most of us pay no attention and it's not written about what's written about but it's not contained in the writings it's contained in all of us and we're connected like you know in those old cartoons like popeye cartoons and things that were on kids tv there's a undersea diver And you see they're walking around exploring on the ocean floor and they're wearing this big circle metal helmet and there's a hose, air is being pumped down to them from the boat that's on the surface while they do the diving. That's our situation. And that airline is still there. And if you can make it conscious again, get that back, then what's on the boat flows into you and your capabilities change. And What I've seen is that our rulers are in a hurry to finish us off according to their protocol before we remember who we are and act on it and become it again. And we do that. It doesn't just destroy the bad guys. It wakes them up too because the power is so much and you're carrying it in your hands. So anyway, we're over time. I don't mean to keep you too long. Thanks for being here. If you're interested in Consciously working on this stuff with a group that we're putting together and has been in beta stage since 2018. Um, 
check out planetaryhealingclub.com and also stay in touch with us at lostartsradio.com and help spread the links. And there's a lot of free material there for you to take advantage of articles and videos and all kinds of stuff and give us feedback. You know, if you like the show, if you got suggestions or people you want to see us talk to, um, comments, we read them all. There's a contact form again on lostartsradio.com. And if you feel like supporting financially and you've got the means to keep our commercial free broadcast going, uh, there's a donate button at lostartsradio.com and you'd really help us out that way. Um, and there's a subscribe star link. They both work the same. And I haven't figured out how to do this without money yet, but if we do, then that'll be over for the moment. The donations really keep us going. So thank you for all those people that have already done that. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but if you don't have a money situation that allows that, it's fine. Maybe help spread the links. And uh, the main message is not money. It's take care of yourself. Learn how to get beyond the fake health system and learn how to take care of yourself and your physical body. It's really important. Although the inner work is the most important, it's much easier to do that if your physical body's working right. And there are ways to do that that are not controlled by the medical system or medical experts or health agency experts or any of these people promoting toxic chemicals. There are actually better ways to do it, and you can find out about all of it. We'll talk about that in Planetary Healing Club weekly interactive live meetings that you can be in if you want to, uh, planetaryhealingclub.com. And then we'll also talk about the inner work that becomes more easy and more um, effective and more powerful as you put in practice time on it. And you can start whenever you want. You're not some flawed, mortal, temporary being that has no future. You're incredible. And that's the biggest secret. And the biggest fear of our rulers is that that gets out and you remember it and you act on it. So I would thank them for the guidance and say, you're right. That's exactly what we should do. Not occasionally, you know, not meditating or praying a couple of times a day and then being in a bad state of mind and emotions the rest of the day is not going to produce the results you want. It's a new default emotional state that you carry with you all the time. There's vast power in that. It's not self-deception or anything like that. It's real. And you're living in a dream world now, so why not choose the dream world and make it better? It's not saying to be oblivious of what's going on in the physical world. You need that strategic awareness. But if you carry this raised emotional state with you, you're much clearer in being able to deal with the outside world and actually know accurately what's going on. You don't need to be blind to it. So those things can go together. There's a balance. Anyway, we'll talk about it more when we have time. Thanks for being here. Take good care of yourself and others. And the best way to take care of others is take care of your own condition, and it'll help everybody. So thanks for being here again, and we'll see you next time. Take care. Introducing Lost Arts Radio on Subscribestar.com. 
Just go to subscribestar.com slash lostartsradio to find our rewards program, offering 10 different giving levels starting at just 5 bucks a month. We offer incredible value for any rewards level, from extra monthly interview videos not available publicly to subscription-based Planetary Healing Club videos once, twice, or three times a month, to private counseling sessions with Lost Arts Radio host Richard Sachs, to tech help with me, Doug Diamond. We even have one option where you can be the star on Lost Arts Radio as our guest on a specially produced show just for you. We conduct an interview with you and broadcast it to our growing network and listenership. Our subscribe star levels are one of a kind and offer great rewards for any budget. Please help support Lost Arts Radio. We can't do it without you. With increasing censorship on many of our channels, we really need your support today to keep doing what we're doing. As Richard says, we're not even at survival level yet. Lost Arts Radio has three weekly shows. Lost Arts Radio Live each Saturday night at 7.30 Eastern, 4.30 Pacific, which is a live stream currently on multiple platforms in case we get banned from some of the larger ones. Right now, we're on Facebook Live, Twitch, and DLive. You can access these broadcasts by going to www.lostartsradio.com live for all the links to those channels. The Planetary Healing Club meets right after Lost Arts Radio Live at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on Saturday nights. And our Sunday show with guests airs at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on Sunday nights on our Blog Talk Radio channel, our YouTube channels, Facebook pages, and on Brideon. Be sure to sign up for our free email list just in case we do get banned on big tech's platforms. It's just a matter of time, really. They don't like the stuff we talk about, and they do not want the truth out there. In fact, they have already attacked us numerous times. Join our free email list so we can let you know where we are and how to access our shows. The sign-up button is right on the top right on most pages of our website. The best starting point for all things Lost Arts Radio is our main site, lostartsradio.com, where you can find the hottest news selection videos that we curate just for you. Those are on the homepage and added to daily, as well as articles and breaking news about information you really need to know. Our show archives, the 10 most recent shows, are right on our homepage, as well as our Blog Talk Radio page at blogtalkradio.com slash lostartsradio, or just click the All Things Radio Show tab right on our website. We're in the podcast directory on iTunes, and all of our shows except the banned ones are on our YouTube channel, at Lost Arts Radio. Our Brideon page is really taking off, and we often have editors' picks videos right on their homepage. Visit brideon.com slash channel slash Lost Arts Radio. On our site, you can also access our free listener forum as well as sign up for the Planetary Healing Club, which is just $25 a month, where you get private access to a one-on-one interaction with host Richard Sachs and myself and the other club members who participate live. More info can be found at planetaryhealingclub.com. We're providing solutions in there to make the world a better place. Come join us. 
Stay tuned because up next, you'll get to hear a really great song by an independent artist that we're doing our best to support. Go to lostartsradio.com slash music for the full list of all the great songs and bands that we spin on our audio-only podcast shows. If you're in a band and want to submit a song for consideration for airplay on Lost Arts Radio, visit my website at diamonddiscaudio.com for more information about the music placement, mastering, and mixing work that I do. Thanks again for listening to and supporting Lost Arts Radio. We love having you as part of our family to learn, experience, and grow with. Can't really just open me wide. 